What's going on, everybody? This is Dan Goodman from the Business of Strength podcast. I will be joined today by special guest Corey Davis. Corey is the founder and co-owner of Core Blend Training alongside his wife and their tremendous team down in Watkinsville, Georgia. Corey is a super smart person, a great coach, master's degree in kinesiology, has worked with Olympians, NFL athletes, wealth of knowledge. Uh, we've worked with him for a few years, and he runs one of the most system-driven businesses in the country. Um, they are, if you don't already know them, you definitely will. And you will absolutely enjoy this podcast. It talks to all about unused capacity, setting goals, uh, driving culture through their team. And uh, this is a must listen. Um, as always, five-star reviews are much appreciated. Uh, that's what keeps us going and gets, uh, gets us out on the, uh, on the ethernet of podcasts. Uh, we also had to reschedule the Business of Strength seminar with special guest Zach Evanesh. It is rescheduled for February 19th. You could still sign up. The, uh, the link to sign up and registration is in the show notes, and I uh, hope to see you there. Enjoy the show, everybody. Corey Davis, welcome to the Business of Strength podcast. Can you tell the listeners just a little bit about yourself, man? Absolutely, Dan. Thank you so much for having me. So my name is Corey Davis. I've uh, owned and operated Corblin Training in Watkinsville, Georgia, right outside of the University of Georgia in Athens, Georgia, for the last nine years. Um, I've known Dan for the last three of them or so. Yeah. And, uh, you know, tell everybody a little bit about what your gym is, how you got to, to being a gym owner and uh, like some of the people that you train. Yeah, absolutely. So we're a, you know, kind of typical strength and conditioning focused gym. So probably like a lot of your listeners, like a lot of the people that you've had on, you know, um, I'm a little bit younger than some of the guys you've had on in the past. So like, if you want to say that we're a little bit of like a ripoff, you know, underground strength gym to like steal a lot of like Zach Evanesh's stuff or like a discount Joe DeFranco. Hey, we all gym, are, man. You know, That's you know, what we all are. That. I, I don't think I would have a gym if I hadn't seen videos of Joe DeFranco's place because I didn't know you could have a warehouse. It was kind of like before CrossFit took off and like was super mainstream. Um, but we do, you know, typical, uh, powerlifting based, you know, workouts with some conditioning sprinkled in there and kind of try to help people be well-rounded and fit their fitness into their busy lives. A, um, core, a core blend. Yeah. We get, get a little <laughs> right. bit of everything. Our logo is a swirl because it's just, right. you know, you get a little bit of everything, you know, That's we great. do a little bit of bodybuilding. We do a little bit of conditioning stuff. We do a little bit of powerlifting. Um, but our typical client is just your average everyday person. You know, it's usually not someone who wants to run the Boston Marathon, but they probably would like to run a 5K. You know, right. it's probably not someone who's going to compete in, you know, USAPL nationals, but they probably would like to, you know, bench press their body weight or body weight a few times. Um, right. Although we do get, you know, some outliers like that. Um, right. and then we do a lot of athlete training. Um, when we first opened up, it was all athlete training. Our original logo, it was Corblen training for athletes. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was all I was going to do. I thought it was just going to be me and athletes all the time. My first nine clients were all athletes. I had some parents ask about training. I was like, no, I don't do that. I'm, I'm just for athletes. And then I realized I was like, oh, man, from nine to five, when all these athletes are in school, I really don't have anything to do. And then I had to call those parents back. I was like, hey. Would you like to train? I'm I'm really free from about nine in the morning until five at night. It's like, yeah. you guys want to come by? You want to get a workout in? Right. And I think we all eventually deal with some level of that. I mean, and the ones that don't, it's like, you know, it, it's it's hard to keep the lights on when you only have clients that are able to train with you for four hours a day. It's yeah. not easy. And it uh, doesn't matter where you are. And I always give the advice. It's like, if you know, you only want to work with athletes, like that's it. Um, you know, it might be beneficial for you to go work at a school, like a collegiate setting or high school. And, you know, in, in this, and it might be like counterintuitive to what people think we talk about it on the podcast all the time, but even at varsity house, like from three 30 to six 30, you come in here, there's a shitload of athletes here and it still is that same vibe, but the other 12 hours a day that we're open, it's their parents. Right. And it's a perfect synergy of, you know, the, 
the, the kids bring the parents, the parents bring the kids and it's just become this community vibe. And, um, one that people, you know, I think, um, our gyms and yours too, it becomes a, a beacon in your community, um, that can really thrive for many years to come. So, you know, that leads me into, into my next point for you, obviously, uh, as you said before, I've, I've known Corey and his wife, Morgan, who, who are the co-owners of core blend for quite a while. And we've, we've had them up for the business of strength. They've been in the strongest year program for a while now. And, uh, this last year has been a record setting year for you. Uh, not only with business, but your own personal training, uh, you were able to purchase a piece of property that you're going to be bringing your gym to in the next year. And you also keep uh, family front and center. So it feels like you're, you're PRing in like every pillar of life. And uh, that's going to be the basis of this show. And sometimes like, you know, you don't have to be bashful on this show. You, you can speak in specifics. And uh, I know you're not one to brag, but um, I'm going to kind of coerce you to do so a little bit today. So talk to us a little bit about the last year that you've had. Awesome. So you're right. We've had a great year, um, especially coming off of, you know, COVID concerns and the actual shutdowns and then just people, you know, having trepidation about coming back into the gym. And we're, we're lucky in a couple different ways. I know you have listeners all over the country, all over the world. We're in the South. So it is the lockdowns were not as extreme down here. And I think people are a little bit more laid back than other places, but we still had, you know, significant amounts of people that were really nervous, you know, about coming back in. So for us to do as well as we did in 2021 was, you know, a massive blessing for us. Um, We were able to purchase a piece of property that we can move the gym to that's not far from where we are now, but it's, it's the right kind of distance to be like right in the middle of things. So right. we're really excited about um, traffic's different for you guys up there, but you know, we hit traffic, you know, at 5 PM and it takes you an extra eight minutes to get somewhere. And when you're used to like only getting slowed down by tractors, it's a big deal to us down here. Oh, um, sure. So we're excited about that. Um, and I, I think what's really helped us is, I've been able to, with a lot of help from you guys and like reassurance is let go of a lot of processes in here and trust our, we have a really, really good staff. So when I'm talking to other business owners about like how they can level up and how they can do the stuff that I do, it's like, well, I can do the stuff that I do because I've found really good employees Mm -hmm. and I've been able to trust them to run with things. So like, I think a lot of people could do what I've done here if they had my support system that I have and I've worked hard to like create that support system and level them up and give them, you know, the tools needed to do their stuff. But, you know, I'm no longer the head trainer. I'm no longer the head of sports. I'm no longer the like head of operations. I'm no longer the CEO. And a few years ago I was all those things and I had absolute control of everything and we didn't make any money. And I worked, you know, 80 hours a week. And so it is much, much, much better now, you know? When you, when you, I just want to touch upon one thing that you said. It's like you had control of everything, but in actuality, you probably felt like you had control of nothing when you, everything. you know, that's, we've all, we've all been there. Yeah. I had a hundred percent, you know, ownership of the task and all of them ran my life all the time. And I didn't do a great job of any of them. Right. You know, I, exactly. It was hard for me to be the head adult trainer while also putting out a great, you know, athlete program of while course. also putting together a great marketing schedule and making sure that like, oh, have we paid all of our bills? <laughs> right. You know, you know, for somebody that's listening, they might say like, oh, well, that that's all well and Danny, Corey, Corey and Dan and, and, and their gyms, they have employees that they can lean on that are really team members and, and that they trust. But it wasn't always that way. Um, I think part of the reason that holds people back is definitely the trust, but it's also a lack of leadership. And leadership comes down to being clear of the expectation of what a job well done looks like. And you have uh, to have a record setting year. You set a lot of lofty goals um, for all the things mentioned, business, training, um, your family life. And you've also had those goals. projected onto your team. How, 
like how has that played a factor for them doing a better job in the workplace and are they incentivized by these goals? I mean, how does that come into play? That, that's a great question. So, yeah, like you said, um, and you actually broke it down the exact same way I do of, you know, here are, you know, my goals for the business. Here are my goals for different, you know, team members. Here are my goals for, you know, personal life. Here are my goals for like my own training. And then you set those goals and we just kind of worked backwards. So like for personal life, one of the ones that Morgan and I said, because as you alluded to earlier, Morgan's the CEO and does most of the important business things. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody asked me yesterday, like what our tax ID number was. And I was like, I don't even know if we have one. <laughs> I know we do. Oh, I was like, that's, that's a Morgan question. You know, most of our staff knows like, hey, is that a question that I asked in Corey's or is that a question I asked for Morgan? And if it's something important, it's usually a Morgan question. You know, mine's usually more like, yeah, use the blue bands. Right. You know, <laughs> uh, that's, that's more of an answer I would give. Um, uh, so we just set those goals and kind of worked backwards. So the personal one we set was that Morgan and I could go on a two week vacation, not from like a financial sense, because that's a separate thing, but just from the standpoint of us being able to step away from the gym for two weeks and have all of our processes continue to run. So then that, you know, led to a lot of like introspection, like, okay, what would it require for us to be able to be gone for two weeks? What are the things we do on a biweekly basis that wouldn't occur? And how do we make sure that, you know, those things are more automatic and also that, you know, other staff members have the bandwidth to run that for a two week period without us being there. And we just did that for everything. You know, how many clients do we want to have? you know, or how much revenue do we want to bring in? Okay, here's our number. So to do that, how many clients do we need? Okay, so to do that, how many leads do we need, you know, to bring in? So, okay, we need to bring in 200 leads this year. All Mm -hmm. right. How do you, how, what does that break down to on a monthly, weekly basis? And how do we achieve that through a marketing plan? Um, We just did that for every little thing in our business. Um, when it comes to our staff, it was just a matter of talking to them, seeing what they had a, uh, interest in and the capacity to do well. And I think you have a phrase for that, that you guys always use the, right. It's the, it's, it's not original. It's, uh, it's, it's a Gino Wickman. It's part of the people analyzer. It's get it, want it capacity to do it. Um, and it's not original, but it's something that we use quite a bit. When I tell people, I tell them it's a Dan Goodman original. Yeah, it's not. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, he's a genius. Um, yeah, but yeah, you know, so we, you know, use that same system to say, okay, is this something that they would have a capacity for? Is it something they'd be good at? You know, do they want to do this thing? And then we were just super, super patient. So that's one thing that I had to adjust to personally was I would turn to a staff member and say, all right, Dan, here's how you write a program for an athlete. And I would say, all right, now do it. And when they started asking questions, I would just go, all right, it's going to take me two hours to explain to him how to do this. And it's going to take me half an hour to just do it myself. Mm -hmm. And in the past I would, you know, I would not want to take that extra hour and a half to level up an employee. And that one had the immediate effect of I still have to take the half hour all the time instead of taking two hours one time. Mm-hmm. And it also had a trickle down effect of my employee says, all right, cool. Corey doesn't seem like he really wants to invest in me doing better, you know? So it has a really nice, you know, double effect when we spend that extra time on our employees and really invest in them on like how to do things because one, it saves me time long-term, you know, for a, an in, initial investment essentially. And two, it really lets that employee know, you know, Hey, Corey cares and he's trying to invest in me and he's trying to like build me up long-term and trust me with more and more important things. You know, I had a, one of my trainers was struggling balancing, you know, getting all of his programming done and also, you know, his personal life. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, how long is your programming taking you? And I looked on his account. He has 12 clients that he writes workouts for. 
and I talked to him. He was like, yeah, it takes me like eight hours a month. And I was like, these, that shouldn't happen. So, you know, find time on your schedule that's free on mine. And we're going to sit in my office for an hour and I'm going to help you program these guys out for the next month. And you're going to get it done in an hour with me. And you're going to see what that process looks like. And now it's going to save you and all can, of this time. And you can recreate forward. it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I think little stuff like that, of trusting that and showing them how to do stuff and being willing to kind of let go of some of those things has a huge effect on your employees because it saves you time long-term. And then also, you know, they know that you care. They know that you're investing in them and trying to get them to level up. And something that you said early on, I want to make a point of is that taking inventory of what you do in a business, what I do, what you do in your, in our businesses is is, is considerably different than what happened a year ago, three years ago, five years ago. So taking inventory never ends. And I don't know if it forget gym owners, it's, it's business in general. I don't know if people that are in management or leadership positions actually sit down and go, okay, what do I actually do? What do I actually do to move this business forward? And a lot of times you'll see on, you know, and look, small business, but it's like, it's little things that are just equating to so much time. And we had Joe Hashi on the podcast recently. He talks about, you know, if you give somebody, I think Elon Musk said it, but if you give somebody three hours to clean their garage, they're going to clean it in three hours. If you give somebody 30 days to clean their garage, it's going to take them 30 days. And business owners do that so much because they come in the business and you can just move papers around, move equipment around, have one-off conversations, get pulled in the weeds of a session. It's lunchtime. You train. You get pulled in the weeds of sessions in the afternoon, you leave. And it's like, what'd you actually do, right? You're not being intentional with your time. And the only way to start becoming intentional with your time is to know like what the hell it is you're actually doing. And I love how you hung a carrot because, you know, people are in business time and money, but the the carrot for you and Morgan was, Hey, we're going to take a two week vacation. One, because we want to have time together again, you know, in, in two weeks like that, but two, because we're going to test these systems. And when you come back, trust me, you're going to know the best, the business is going to probably grow as a result where you, you guys are at at this point. But when you come back, it's like, shit, I was really getting a lot of messages from this department or, you know, this didn't get done at all while we were away, but it's, you're able to pinpoint, identify and be like, okay, this system is weak. We need to address it and move forward with it. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's awesome. All right. So for somebody that's listening, what are some things that, um, that you've kept score of you touched upon like revenue numbers and, you know, obviously you know you have your bench press numbers and stuff like that, but like if somebody doesn't have a key, a KPI or a key performance indicator in their gym business, like where would you start? What's something that you think a young fitness professional or gym owner needs to keep track of? Like what are, what are a couple numbers that need to be kept track of? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll go over the obvious ones first just because I wouldn't want people to think that I didn't value those things. So the number one for us would be profit. You know, like mm-hmm. what is your gym actually profiting? And I, I say profit instead of like gross revenue, just mm-hmm. because there have been times where our revenue has looked amazing. And it's because we sold, you know, $5,000 in apparel that cost us, you know, $4,700. Right. So it's like, oh man, we're up $5,000. And no, 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 no. We're up $300 mm-hmm. you know, from the previous month. So mm-hmm. looking at uh, actual profit is like the key one. And then you look at the big ones that drive profits for your company. So we have three services essentially that drive profit for us. And those are the number of people we have signed up for group classes, mm-hmm. the number of people we have signed up for private training, and the number of people we have signed up for semi-private training. And then within that, we split ours into number of people that are signed up for private training that are adults versus athletes, and then semi-private training adults versus athletes. But those are our big KPIs that we're tracking. Now, we also sell you know, some protein powder up front. We have a few people that do online training with us. Um, we have a few people that you know buy apparel every month. But those aren't big revenue trackers that we like have hung up as our scoreboard. You know, Mm -hmm. the big things that we're tracking are 
you know, number of people in classes and those things. And then the other big one that leads into that is just, you know, marketing touch points. So how many leads are we generating, you know, on a monthly basis? And then I, I wouldn't call it a KPI, but it's just processes that lead to those things, you know, happening regularly. So every week I do two newsletters, you know, like clockwork, and we never miss those two newsletters. Every month from a marketing standpoint, we do an internal, you know, based marketing initiative. We do an external based marketing initiative. We do some sort of referral program of some sort. We do some sort of outreach to the community. We highlight a business of the month. We do a YouTube video and we do all these things on a monthly basis and they all support those other things. But the real simple KPI is just what are the parts of your business that support revenue the most? And then, you know, making sure you're tracking those. And it's, it's, I mean, it's, this is something that people talk about all the time, but what gets measured gets improved upon. And I, I can tell you, I used to be more concerned about, you know, the t-shirts we had at the front and what was going into our vending machine than tracking uh, leads to trials conversions, which is stupid because we know like the number one thing to drive profit in a business is to find unused capacity in the hours that you are paying coaches or your, you yourself are training people. So um, that, that's awesome. I mean, you know, to, you, you mentioned it um, and you, it is a KPI. It's volume of um, marketing, like cr- of creating opportunities. So you, I'm on your email list. It is Tuesday, Thursday morning, every week. Uh, it's 104 times per year. That is a metric that has led to other, like those emails are used sometimes as social media posts. Sometimes it's driving the internal or the external, the referral, but it's a, let's just say at the very least, it's 104 touch points. It's like, that's a lot of touch points throughout the year. That's 30% of all days. Core blend is sending out some type of messaging. And I know it's way more than that. But to somebody that is listening, it's like, man, I just, I just can't get my sales to improve or I can't, I can't get more people in the door. It's like, well, what are you doing to get them in the door? Because eventually, like, if you're just a good trainer, you're going to grow your business, right? You're going to grow it to 40 clients, 50 clients, 60 clients, and that's where it's going to stop. And then people are going to move and people are going to stop training and people are going to go to back to school or, or or get a divorce or whatever the reason why people stop training, yep. but eventually your 50 or 60 is going to start to trickle down and be like, Oh, people are like, Oh, well we get referrals. It's like, it's going to be one in one out at that point. Yep. So if you want to grow to a hundred and that's a good number for a lot of gyms, you have to have what Corey's talking about. You have to have non-negotiables that are getting done every week. And for you, Corey, like, I know you are measuring that. It's like, did I get my eight emails done this month? That is a KPI for Core Blend. It is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, and I almost don't even consider it a KPI the way I do the others, just because it's like, hey, did I take a shower today? It's just like this right. is a thing that I do no matter what, you know, it, because it's ingrained at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Right? But there was not- a time when it was like a, oh, I better, you know, put a reminder on my phone of write an email, um, right. and that's a super easy one because, like you said, it's just. Not all of them are sales-based. Not all of the emails are, hey, you know, look inside this email for your free 5% discount. Not all of them are like that, but obviously some of them are. But it is a great reminder for people of like, oh, I need to get back to the gym. Because I think it's easy to, if you're a gym owner, in all likeliness, you're pretty passionate about working out. And you're going to get in your workout no matter what, like you go on vacation, you find a way to get it in, you do mm-hmm. all these things, but most of your members don't aren't that way. No. You know, it's, it's easy for them to get off track and it's also easy to get them back on track. It's not that they don't want to work out. They just, they get busy, stuff happens. So twice a week, all of our members, you know, see, you know, an email from us that reminds them to go work out. Even if it's just an email about like, Hey, do you know how important sleep is? Or, hey, you know, here's some things going on at the gym this month. Even if they don't open it, 
you're, yeah, they, you're, they see they it to delete it. They see it. And it yeah. might be, you know what I need to book in or should I haven't been there in a week? You know, they, yeah, you gotta stay top of mind. Marketing is about keeping the conversation going. Absolutely. Um, awesome. That's great. So in terms of, I know you have a big team, you're, you're moving your gym into a custom built brand new place. And I know you have, uh, bigger dreams to continue to expand the brand, um, and the outreach in, in the Georgia, uh, area. Um, talk about accountability. Like you've had an accountability shift, um, that's happened at core blend. And you talked about a little bit at the beginning of the show, but how has, um, people knowing what they're doing in your business enabled you to really focus on top line growth and almost, I'm sure feel like you go into your, into your gym, be like, I'm not exactly sure what to do today, but that separation has given you the clarity and the, the space to be creative and be a leader and be a great marketer. How, how has that happened? And bench 405, right? You have more time to train. <laughs> yeah. Most, uh, I, I assume most of the rest of the podcast will just be about how I bench 405. Yeah. Um, incredible performance. No, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think you nailed it. The, uh, like we talked about earlier, and I think most small gyms, I used to do everything. And even though I was giving everything I could to the business and working 80 hours a week, I wasn't doing an amazing job at any of the things I was in charge of because I was in charge of everything. And the thought of giving up control of these different processes was really frightening to me. And the idea of I'm already working 80 hours a week. When am I going to find time to show someone else how to do this? Um, those were really frightening thoughts to me. And I was just wrong about them. Um, mm -hmm. And actually talking to you and Joe was really beneficial to like, give me that comfort because you and I run a very similar business, but you guys are a few years ahead of us in terms of development. So you being able to sit there and say like, hey, I was in your spot a few years ago. I had that same fear and here's how I handled it and here's how I got over it um, was really useful because I still have control over these processes. I just don't have to actually run them on mm -hmm. a day-to-day -day basis. So, but I have control over these things by putting people that I trust in charge of them and giving them direction on what they're supposed to be doing and giving them very clear expectations of, Hey, Braden, you know, he's our chief ops guy. Yep. Here's what I need from you. Right. And it helps him out to have clarity of, you know, here's what I'm looking for from you. Here are the things that I'm, you know, tasking you with and here's how I want them to be done. And I still have, you know, honestly better control than I did when I was doing it all myself because someone who's really dedicating himself to this task is doing it um, the way that I want it to be done and often better, you know? Um, so that helped out a ton. And then the other fear was the time that was needed to get people up to speed. And it just doesn't take as long as I was picturing. Um, and it pays off almost immediately. It, it, it's so funny. Like you talk, people are always so worried about the, the cost of hiring. And it's like most businesses, I mean, listen, if payroll, there, there's payroll bloating businesses, but for a growing business, you can't afford not to hire. Uh, you really can't. And for most of the time, it's like you, you speak to a, a gym owner or a GM of a gym, it's like that are just doing a million things. It's like you're not doing a good job with the marketing of this business, or you're not doing a good job with the finances of this business, or you're a shitty head coach, right? Because you're on your phone the whole damn time, focusing on responding to emails when you got people on the floor. So, you know, the in, it's important to be introspective to realize if you're wearing 10 hats in the business, you're not good at any one of those jobs, Absolutely. no matter how much you think you are, you're not. And if you hire somebody, let's just take a, a trainer, for instance, that has the certifications that are needed, that is young, hungry, embodies the core values. They're going to come in and if they're the right fit in two weeks or 30 days on the job training, they're going to be kicking ass and focused on just training. Yep, so, absolutely. Well, and that's and, gonna make you more money. 
there were, there were times where I was afraid to hire someone because I didn't want to have to pay them. Right. And what I didn't calculate because I was being dumb was the number of times that someone would walk into the gym while I was leading a session and then everyone would just turn and stare at them. And then I would turn back to the people that I was working with and go, Hey guys, do another set of 10 push-ups." And then I ignore them for two minutes while I go talk to this new person coming in. And then that person has to look at us and think that we're, you know, a clown operation. You know, my eight paying clients that I actually have think that I'm doing a terrible job of teaching them and of actually running the business. So I was saving money and costing myself four times that amount by not having other people doing things. And I didn't realize it, you know, I can't imagine how uncomfortable it was for that person walking in to, instead of having someone at the front desk say, Hey, how are you? Welcome to Corblin. They would just have, you know, a a class of people turn and like stare at them because they're like, Oh my God, someone actually walked in the gym. Right. Um, which is exactly what you don't want. People are intimidated enough to come into a gym and they're worried they're going to get stared at and judged. And then that's exactly what happened. Right. Because of me. And it's, it's so funny because it's like, okay, to hire that person, we had the same thing. I mean, Sue, uh, Susan Spector, she's uh, still here. She works still. She was the first uh, administrator that we brought on and we were so worried about hiring her for eight hours a week. And that quickly grew to, uh, you know, a full department, right? Because we we realized like, we, hey, we're a we're a top shelf gym. We want people to have customer service from the very first minute they walk in the door. Um, in terms of a trainer, like, how much is it really going to cost you to get an assistant coach to come help two three nights a week? Not a lot. Yeah, right? I mean, it's not going to be a lot. And um, the reason why people are so afraid to do it is because, to your point before, it's the training process. Yeah, the training process of that person's going to be for shit if you don't know what you're training them on. But if mm-hmm. you lay it out, hey, here's the syllabus. I'm going to get them here. You know, I'm going to pay them for the next six weeks or eight weeks, or whatever it is. And week one, we're going to go over the assessment. Week two, we're going to go over, you know, how we, we coach a class. Week three, they're going to take a class. Week four, you know, like it's not that difficult. Yeah, right? and it, it's a, even if you're not in a position to hire right now, writing down what you are looking for in an employee and what you think they ought to be good at is wonderful because it requires you to stop and think about, okay, you know, I think I'm a pretty good trainer. What is it I think I do well that I want to recreate and make sure my employees know. And in that process, you like learn like, Oh, here's what I really value. And here's what I think I'm good at. I should double down on these things. You know, I, I think I am a pretty good trainer, you know, me speaking now, like in actuality, I think I'm a pretty good trainer because I know some of the X's and O's and I know how to squat and I know how to modify exercise and all this. But I think what makes me a good trainer is that I listen to people and relate to them and how this training is going to relate to their goals. I think I'm good at explaining how the exercise we're doing will help them with what they're trying to accomplish. Like, I think that's what I'm good at a lot more than I am about like, here's the proper way to brace and, oh, you're doing a high bar in the same way that Stan Efforting does a high bar. So you really got to focus on, you know, externally rotating at the hips and dropping down. Like I can say all those things, but that's not what makes me a good trainer. That's not why Mm -hmm. people like working with me. Right. Um, And how do, how do you, how do you teach your, your team that? So I think sometimes people listen and they're like, well, man, that sounds great, but how, how do I even do that? How do I teach that? What does it look like on a calendar? Like how often are you teaching your coaches? How, how often are you mentoring your staff? So we do a couple different things. Our head trainer meets with all of our training staff, like individually once a week. Okay. And they do little 30 minute meetings. And then our head trainer has the ability to schedule additional meetings mm-hmm. when needed. So he has that autonomy on his schedule, you know, um, all of our trainers are on salary at this point. They're just like on the staff. So, you know, our head trainer, Noah can look at the training staff and say, Hey, you're here from three to four and you don't have a session. And I think we need to talk longer. He has the autonomy to schedule them for another meeting. We also do a weekly trainer education meeting. Um, I think like you guys do, I know you guys just had Pat Davidson in town too. Yeah, he was great. Yeah. Um, 
we had one of the guys from Go Ruck, a guy named Dan Skidmore, one of the big guys in the Go Ruck company, come through and talk about, you know, tactical training for, nice. you know, first responders, operators, police officer types. Um, so we do that on a weekly basis. And then we try to keep the doors of communication open to, hey, what is it you guys need? And we hopefully accomplish that through the weekly meetings that are scheduled you know, as a staff, the weekly meetings that are scheduled with NOAA, or like I did last week where I took the guy into the office and said, hey, let's, let's work on your programming together. So, you, so in terms of your meeting schedule with your team, what contribution do you have? Do you go to the trainer meeting? Do you have a leadership team meeting? Do you meet every week with Morgan? Like how does, what does your schedule look like in terms of meetings in a week? Yeah, great question. So I meet with everybody on our advisory board, which are basically the department heads. Mm-hmm. So I meet with our, you know, I meet with Morgan, obviously, you know, the CEO, I meet with our head of operations. I meet with our head trainer. I meet with our head of sports, you know, on a weekly basis. And then we also have a meeting as an advisory board every week. Got it. Um, and then I don't meet individually with all the trainers because they're already meeting with their various department heads, how it affects them. Um, but then I have, the ability on my schedule to meet with them whenever they need. And I try to make sure that that's clear to all of our staff at all times of like, Hey, because I don't train as often and I'm doing marketing is like my primary thing. I have time on my schedule. Like if mm-hmm. you need something, you let me know, like come in and ask me. And I think my staff takes advantage of that. You're the coach of the coaches. Absolutely. And because of that, I coach, I coach a lot fewer sessions than I used to, but I reach a lot more clients than I did. You know, you're, because, you're leading through a team. Yeah, absolutely. You you're know, leading um, through a team, which that's awesome, hugely beneficial. That's huge. Um, yeah, and I, you were talking before about you know the coach that taps out at about forty clients, and that was us for a long time because I had the dumb idea that because. I had an undergrad degree and a master's degree. And I, at the time, had trained a three-time Olympian. I thought everyone will come to my gym. Nobody has a resume as good as mine. You know, everyone will just hear about it and know. And even now, you know, we've been here for nine years. There's There's a restaurant that my wife and I go to all the time that's a half mile from here. All the time, I'll be in there wearing a Corblin shirt and someone will go, oh, where's that? I'm like, oh, it's half a mile from here. Right. Like, where do you live? And they're like, oh, I live right down the road. It's like, okay, you drive past, you drove past it today. You right. drove past it to get here. And they have no idea. So when I opened up, I had this idea of like, oh, everyone will just know that I'm here and they'll leave their gym where their trainer, you know has less education and less certifications and a, you know, inferior resume. And they don't, people love their trainers, like for the most part, like I very rarely hear someone say, you know, and not, not that I'm trying to bash anybody else. No. It's, it's not that, but there are trainers that I'll look at and like, ah, that guy, I, I don't love that workout. I don't think that guy really knows what he's doing, but people love working with their trainer probably because they're creating a great rapport and, You know, they care and, you know, they come in and call the client by their name and all the like little things that your clients actually care about a lot more than like your bench press. Like none of my clients care that I bench press 405, (laughs) like none of them. Um, I don't know, outside of me and you, I don't know if anybody cares about that. <laughs> I think I think you and I have talked about it more than anybody else. Um, I'm trying to pump you up, man. I appreciate it. It works. I feel better. Oh, <laughs> when I was thinking, I was like, man, Dan's going to be so proud of me. Dude, when I saw you in person, I was like, dude, looking big, man. How much weight did you gain? You're like, man, I'm almost 20 pounds up, feeling good. I was like, that's it, man. That's it. It works. It works. I know, yeah. I know so, it works. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you're trying to grow your business, you know, delegate and trust your employees to grow and if you're trying to bench press more weight gain moves weight. weight yeah right gain, gain, weight. gain the weight gain yeah the weight um that's awesome when we shifted to actually marketing a lot more and making that a real focus that helped us a ton and then i don't know if you've touched on a lot of other podcasts but just the internal touch points with all the sales of 
making sure that when someone comes in for their first session, they really feel welcome. And this is something that I used to kind of shy away from because it feels really salesy. And I, I still, you know, I struggled with that for a long time. So I, I didn't want to be a salesperson. And it took me a while to get comfortable with the idea that, hey, I can't help these people if I don't convince them that they need to come in and work out. And if I don't help them get from that point of not having working out be an important thing in their life to having workouts be important. And, you know, once I started trading out sale for convince, that really helped me of like, oh, 100%. I need to find a way to convince this person that they need to come in and take care of themselves. No, we, we talk about it. We've had um, Pat Rigsby on the show. Uh, Vince Gabriel's helped us a lot with the, psycho the psychology behind sales and, um, you know, still, still do right. Still Vince is somebody in our corner. I have a call with him today just to, you know, consistently drive home uh, and, and improve our skill set. with that. It's um, you know, I asked people, I, I recently had the conversation with somebody um, young gym owner, um, been in the industry a long time, but a, but a new gym owner. And I said, you know, who, who's like somebody that could really use your service that like, you just haven't asked and like really needs you. And you know, that you can make a positive impact in their life. Who, who is it? And the person says to me, like my dad, and it's like, okay, so your father, like you haven't had that conversation. Um, but you know, your dad needs your, your dad is overweight, has had some health issues and like your dad needs you. Right. I mean, if you know that, and that's, you know, your, your father, I mean, shit, do you know how many people are in their mid fifties or mid forties that are so freaking far gone that literally by coming to your space, it actually could improve the quality of life and the length of their life. Absolutely. And, you know, it's like, we're not selling, um, it's not like the Wolf of Wall Street, like buy this pen for freaking $200. It's, you know, you're selling a service that can have a profound impact in somebody's life. And I know for me, and you're similar in that, like you don't want to feel salesy and you, you don't want it to feel icky when it comes to the money stuff, but you have to be okay with saying, you know what, like 50% of people are going to turn you down and that is okay. And if you're getting, if you're 10 for 10, it means you're not, you don't value what you do enough because eventually you're going to run out of space, no matter how big your gym is. Right. So yeah. you have to have some people say, you know what, this isn't for me. I'm going to buy a bike at home, or I'm just going to stick to my walking routine, or I'm just going to go back to the couch and that's okay. Yeah. But that was one of the first things you said to me, you were asking about what our like closing rate was. And I was so proud. I was like, this month we had 30 leads and I closed 27 of them. And I was ready for you to dump Gatorade over me. And you're like, yeah, your prices are too low. Like you're not valuing your service well enough. And I was like, yeah, we're the nicest gym in town. We have like <laughs> the best trainers and we charge the least. And I was like, oh yeah, you're right. Oh shit. Right. And eventually, yeah. eventually with something like that and leading me to my next question is that like, eventually if you're not as a business owner, if you're not getting your just due in terms of pay, right. The business, like if you have all these people and you're not getting paid enough, it's like inflation, right? If it out, if one outpaces the other, you're not going to have the staff. You're not going to be able to pay them correctly. You're not going to be able to keep up with maintenance of the equipment and the wear and tear that happens. Replace a turf for 50 grand, all that type of shit. Yep. And eventually, if you start having financial woes, it affects everything in the business, right? Oh, for sure. The foundation yeah. of good business is good finance. Not saying that you need to get like absolutely rich, but you have to have your finances in order. And the easiest way to do that is to charge what you're worth. Absolutely. You know, so, um, yeah, you, you nailed that. There was a time where we were, our staff was a little bit like overblown and we had too many trainers. And I was looking at what we were spending on paying our trainers every month. And then I was looking at, what I was getting paid and I, it wasn't good. Like yeah. it, it put me in a negative headspace of like, man, I kind of resent these people because mm -hmm. I'm working so hard. They don't have enough to do and they don't have enough to do because I wasn't giving them enough to do. And 
they were getting paid too much because I had hired too many trainers. So it was like my mistake, my mistake. But now I'm sitting here, you know, with like resentment towards my staff because I'm not doing well enough financially. It's like, well, these are a lot of problems I've created. You know, I need to work on these things. Which for a listener that's, uh, you know, for a listener, Corey, that's trying to find unused capacity, I'll put it two ways. If there's a listener that's trying to find unused capacity within themselves or within their team, what advice could you offer them? Yeah, that's great. So the first thing I would do is actually like, write down what are all the things you're doing with your time. Um, Cause I've had times in my life where you alluded to it before of you get out here on the gym floor, you make some small talk, you talk to a few uh, of your trainers, you talk to a few of your members, you notice that the bands are all out of whack. The dumbbells aren't organized properly. I'm pretty OCD. So it's like there are five forty fives on three of the racks there's six on one and there's four on the other. And I, I need to move like there needs to be five on all of them. Um, five is the actual number on our racks. Like there has to be five out there or it freaks me out. Um, but you, you write down all the things that you do on a weekly basis. Um, and that does a couple of things. One, you know, kind of like my trainer who's taken eight hours to program, Hey, this shouldn't take that long. You might realize that, Hey, here are the things I need to be doing this shouldn't take me eight hours a day. So what am I doing with my time? That's, you know, not these important tasks. And that's where you can start trimming the fat on, Hey, let me sit in my office and do this work instead of going out on the training floor and moving dumbbells from one side to the other, because Mm -hmm. that's something that somebody else can do very easily and me not spend my time on. And two, it gives you an opportunity to like, prioritize those things and see where, okay, right now I'm spending four hours a week cleaning. Is that the best use of my time? Or could I hire a cleaning person or task one of our trainers with doing some of this cleaning to free up additional time for me to do the stuff that's most important? And that's where it comes back to the KPIs you mentioned earlier of what are the things that really move our business forward and let us spend more time on that. So we, we have online training options. We have some online clients, but that's not a huge part of our business. So that's not something that we spend a lot of our time marketing on. Right. That's not something we value the same way we do, you know, more in-person clients coming into our brick and mortar space. So I think it all kind of goes together of prioritizing your time and your weekly to-do list and, getting rid of the tasks that aren't actually moving your business forward or that someone else could do just as well as you. That's a great point. And I think so many, especially gym owners and gym culture is that we wear things as a badge of honor where I could do this or I could accommodate that. And it's all about load, right? I could handle the most load. And, you know, you ask them eventually it's like, well, I don't see my family at all, or I haven't taken a vacation in two years. And, where it's like, well, what are you doing in like, can you hire somebody to do the cleaning that would take two hours or, you know, they might be sitting on a lot of money in the business and say, well, can you hire a part-time coach to maybe take two morning shifts so that you could get your workouts done, like, or see your family off to school or breakfast or whatever. So, I mean, usually um, money and delegation can solve a lot of things within the context of a business, but absolutely. And if you're overworked and feeling like you're not, you know, you're nervous about getting that money, you know, one, if it's a mistake, you can always fix it after two months, you know, you hire somebody and then two or three months down the line, like, Hey, it's not working. Mm -hmm. You can have that conversation with them and fix it. Um, But two, every time we've done that, it is freed up capacity to allow us to take big steps forward. Right. I used to be so proud that I trained 35 sessions a week, you know, and I was like, I'm doing more sessions than anybody else on our staff. I am here, you know, I'm leading from the front right now. Um, And now all of our staff is a lot happier because all of them make a lot more money than they used to. And we have a lot more members and our gym is a lot nicer because now instead of bragging about doing 35 sessions a week, I do, you know, 10 sessions a week. And the other, you know, 
hours of the week I'm using on marketing and getting new people in here. And also improving the work experience for the people that work there. Absolutely. You know, you know I, I, we let, didn't do nice things for our employees a few years ago. <laughs> you know, can you talk, in, I think it would be a great way to, to wrap this awesome show up is how, like, how do you get beyond that? Right. Because I've lived it. Um, I helped you transition uh, as many, but it's like, I wore the session count as a badge of honor and felt if I'm not on the floor as a general and taking in taking teams and clients and being there and spotting racks, like how do you get above it? How do you get beyond it? Um, not, I'm not saying it's the, it's the only way, right? There's plenty of people that are just like, if you're listening and you love doing 35 sessions, by all means do that. But if you are somebody that wants to do potentially another space or want to do something in the online space or whatever it may be, like, how do you get above it? Like, how do you help to lead a team? Um, and how do you get beyond the head trash that is doing all those sessions? Well, I think you, you nailed it with the last little session of, or your last little section of your talk there of, you know, how do you get beyond the head trash is just realizing that it's head trash, that it's not a real concern. So my concern was, um, and I think everybody's concern would be different, but my concern was, you know, one, if I'm not out there on the floor 35 hours a week, will I be involved in the business and like having a positive influence on it? And then I thought about it and, you know, did some real like reflections like, Oh, instead of training those 35 people, I can influence the business and have these weekly emails that go out to all of our members and oversee training programs that go to all of our members and oversee all these improvements that affect everyone instead of just, you know, of our hundred members, the 35 that worked with me. Right. So of our hundred members, the 35 that worked with me were getting all of my energy and the other 65 didn't really interact with me. Right. You know, outside of day one when they signed up. So I went from thinking, Hey, I'm doing the most for the gym by being out here 35 hours a week to, Oh, actually I influence all of our members when I have a different role. So that was a concern for me. And then the second concern was, and it just took some like realization and that like, you know, I wasn't the best in the world was thinking like, Oh, no one else could run these sessions. Like I do. I need to be the one out there. Oh, there's, you know, a pro athlete coming through. Well, it's gotta be me. That's working. Or, Oh, this is, you know, super important business owner in the area. Uh, I got to be the one that's running their sessions. And it's just not true. You know, I can take the stuff that I know that I think is effective and hire people that are on that same page. Cause you know, there's other training systems that are just as great as what we do here. They're just different than what we do here. Um, We hire trainers that agree with us and are on the same page and kind of fit our culture and fit our vibe. And then I just show my trainers everything I know and they're instantly better than me because they know everything that I know, plus they know whatever they know, you know? Um, so it lets them do a good job. So it was just, for me, my two big concerns were like, Hey, if I'm not out there on the floor training all the time, am I actively involved? Am I supporting our business, you know, to be present and will other people do a good job? And both of those, you know, were false. You know, they, they did a great job. They stepped up when I gave them support, they were happy with it. You know, our clients see more of me now, you know, cause they get two emails from me a week and a social post and, you know, YouTube videos. And, you know, because I'm not in every session, you know, cause I'm not on the floor every day. Right. I can walk the floor and say hi to everybody. I can walk the floor and like hop into a class and sit up at the front desk as people are coming in and out of the gym um, in a way that I couldn't before. Cause I was in the middle of a session. Um, I was worried that our staff, you know, wouldn't respect me the same way if I didn't, you know, train as many hours as they did. But now I still work, you know, I'm still, you know, productive in the business. I'm still doing things, but now we have a lot more business coming in. And so they see the like, Hey, I don't know what Corey does in his office all day long. But I know that we had 30 <laughs> leads come in this month. It's, it's so working. it must be something, you know, yeah, yeah, something's happening in there. And, you know, we have the ability to support our staff more. Like a few years ago, the idea of 
you know, sending a staff member up to varsity house so he could hang out with you guys for a weekend would have been crazy. Like, no way I'm doing that, but Mm -hmm. we've done that now, you know, paying for continuing education or, you know, paid time off, you know, a few years ago, the idea of having paid time off was (laughs) ridiculous, but that's something we can do now because we have grown our business to that level. Um, And that wouldn't have happened without me stepping off the floor and trusting them to step up to the plate. And they did. Yeah. And and it's, it speaks to you also um, is it takes a level of humility and to say, yeah, like you, you might not be, um, you know, like sought after on the gym floor, like you once were. And, you know, we talk about like, um, like Joe DeFranco or Zach Evanash and, and things like that. It's like those guys, like, you know, they're, they're celeb, they're celebrity coaches. They are. Um, but you know, what have they done? It's like, they're influencing the masses online now. So different, yeah. different business model, brick and mortar, Absolutely. like, and, and online is, is a different business model. But, um, you know, somebody that he's actually, um, not in the gym business, but he told me, he said, you know, the mark, he said, when I knew my business was growing, it's, they own an engineering company, huge engineering company now. But he said, I knew that when we had a client call and they said, I'm not going to mention his name because I don't want to embarrass him. But when I had a client call and ask for the other person, he's like, that's when I knew that what I was doing was working because I had worked with them, but they had a job site manager. That was this other guy's name. And they just said, Hey, I prefer working with this other guy. And it's like, you know what? I'm okay with that because I had the same thing. Uh, We had a bunch of baseball players come in. Our, our head of sports, because he's in charge of that and has ownership of it, and he's a baseball guy, reached out to a bunch of different baseball teams. So he got us a contract with one of the local high schools, and he got a great contract with a like, like private baseball team to have us run all of their winter workouts. And this group of athletes came in, a bunch of like seventh graders, eighth graders, they all came in, and they're hanging out at the front where we have our testimonials. And one of the things we have, we have a wall of like adult testimonials. And then we have a wall of like kids that had D1 scholarships, you know, and they're, you know, signing their photo. And because we just like put them up in order that they came in, the first 40 photos are all, hey, Corey, thanks for your help, you know, in some form or fashion. So these kids are all standing up there and they're, you know, seventh graders, eighth graders, and they see all these, you know, like big sec school logos on these kids they're staring at it in awe they're so excited and there's some uga baseball players on there and there's they're pumped about it they start reading it and they see like Corey on a bunch of them and one of the kids is standing up there he's like i wonder who Corey is and i was like that's great i'm standing right here he has no this kid doesn't even know who i am you know and he's it's great like it's he's yeah. fine he's gonna get a great service our other trainers are gonna handle him and it right he's going to get a fantastic workout from, you know, one right. of our other trainers, you know, uh, our trainer Stancil stepped up and did a great job with that group. Um, awesome. That kid has no idea who I am. None of those parents. <laughs> you should, you should go up to him on the floor and introduce yourself. <laughs> you I was, I was intimidated. I didn't want to let him down. Right. I don't know who he thought Corey would be, but he probably oh was the future of me. So <laughs> I don't want to ruin it for him. That's um, awesome. But yeah, it was a great feeling of just like, man, it's shifted a lot. Cause a few years ago, I would have had to take that group, you know, right. it, from not because I needed to, but just from like my own ego standpoint of like, Oh, I gotta right. be the one influencing these new young athletes coming through here. Yeah, no, it's great. And listen, Corey, this show has been amazing, uh, for a, a gym owner, business owner in general, uh, strength coach. I mean, the, the mark that you have made in the short time that you've been a gym owner has been tremendous. Um, you know, I, the next 10, 20, 30 years, um, if people didn't know you now, they definitely will come to know core blend as one of the top gyms in the country. And I mean that, and, um, you know, from us, you know, just, it's been, it's been awesome to be part of your journey to see you grow and uh, the sky's the limit for you. Um, where can everybody get in touch with you? I, I appreciate your ton. Um, just to pump you guys up for a second, before I saw Varsity House, I didn't really have a clear picture of what success could look like with a business like ours. 
I did not have a clear vision because I saw guys like Joe DeFranco or Zach Evanesh, and they're hugely successful, but a lot of their success is from their own brands and selling online programs. And so, and that's wonderful. You know, I, I love it. I follow both those guys and, you know, yeah. have respect for them, but I didn't want to do online programs and, you know, coaching the masses like that. I wanted a brick and mortar location mm-hmm. to really grow. And I didn't really know what like hugely successful would look like until I found varsity house. Um, so I thank you guys for, you know, paving the way in the huge way that you guys have. Um, thank you. If anybody wants to get in touch with me for whatever reason, um, my email address is Corey at coreblendtraining.com. Um, and we're on Instagram at coreblendtraining or, or at coreblend, sorry. Um, or I'm on Instagram at Mr. Coreblend. And they're all easily accessible. You can see me do my twice a week bench press workouts. <laughs> That's about awesome. all I post because it's the only thing that I do decently right now. And listen, if you get on the email list, you get a lot of good movie references and quotes. So there's absolutely uh, there's if you are a real easy thing that I stole from Dan. I joined Dan's email list so I could get ideas for newsletters. <laughs> so if you want to trickle that down, you're welcome to go to nice. our website, www.corblentraining.com, sign up for our newsletter, and then just steal them. I Put used them one on of your- yours. I used one of yours uh, from Tuesday. I emailed uh, Morgan got back to me, but I used your uh, who we are email from Tuesday. So thank Heck you. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Glad <laughs> to hear awesome. it. Awesome. Well, Corey, thank you so much. And I really appreciate it, man. Thanks again. Of course. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate it, bud.